Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, supported by DownloadTennis.com. On today's Wimbledon Round 4 catch-up. Felix Auger-Aliassim finally comes of age. Raducanu retires against Tomjanovic. And Martin Fushkovic gets revenge over Rublev in five sets. Kim, Manic Monday is here. The last Manic Monday. And what a treat it served up. We had all of the round four men's and women's matches at Wimbledon all in one day for the last time you're back from your holidays and it was it was pretty dramatic it was a pretty dramatic end we've just we're literally recording five minutes ago Radicanu unexpectedly retired against Tomjanovic in the second set went off court didn't see her again so it was a fairly dramatic end and I think you know if we look back on the day's play and, and all of the the matches that we had it was a pretty you know, for a lot of the players, it was quite a nice moment because we had a fair few players reach the quarterfinals for the very first time. Yeah, a lot of breakthroughs and a kind of coming of age and mm. finally managing to to reach the stage of a tournament. So a lot of first timers, which very exciting. Um, and a lot of players that you feel like it's been a long time coming and it's really nice to see them finally get there. Um, we'll be getting on to the ladies in the second half of the show. So um, certainly a lot to unpick, especially from what we've just seen. Uh, but yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, thanks for Lee um, stepping in again. Uh, I um, thought he was fantastic as always. So um, it's nice to hear him come on. Um, but yeah, Manic Monday, Joel, like it's the last time this is this is a thing. Are you emotional about it or are you not that bothered? I I don't mind really because I, I won't miss the sort of flicking between like four different matches at a time trying to watch them all. You know, <laughs> it'll be a bit more relaxed, won't it, if it's, they're split evenly across the two days. It'll be more like relaxed Monday ne- next year. Yeah, it'll be, um, I don't know, meditative Monday or <laughs> <laughs> a serene Sunday. I don't know. <laughs> yes, I love it. Yeah, but... um. Yeah, I mean, let's let's kick off and and start to talk about what we have seen today. Um, for me, I think this is probably my most pleasing result, and that is Felix Ojealiasim winning through against Sasha Zverev in five sets. Um, he was two sets up. Zverev pegged it back to a fifth set, and you know Zverev has, to be fair, come back from quite a few two set deficits uh, quite recently in slams. And I thought, oh, you know. Felix, he's not, he's just not going to do it, is he? He's going to, he's going to have had that lead and he's going to, like he does in finals, he's just not going to be, mm. be there competing, competing. <laughs> you did get a sense of impending doom, didn't you? Particularly after that four set when it was two sets all. You felt kind of like there was only going to be one victor, you know, in the match because as you, as we, you know, as you said, and I think a lot of tennis fans know that Felix Ogier Aliassim, he's probably his biggest weakness is his, you know, his mental, you know, his mental strength, I think, particularly in big matches. We've seen that, you know, in finals, you know, countless finals now, um, you know, on the ATP tour. And although this obviously wasn't a final, it was still a, a pretty big match. You know, he spoke about the victory afterwards as the biggest win of his career. And to see him actually kind of pull that fifth set out of the bag, despite, you know, having you know, lost the third and fourth set was was very, very impressive. And it was something that I, I you know, I just didn't think was going to happen because his five set record, I think, is like 0-1. And, and, and Zverev's record, on the other hand, is is a lot stronger. He's played a lot more five set matches. He knows, what, he knows what he's doing when he's in that fifth set. So to see the Canadian come through, um, it was, you know, for me, it was a bit of a shock. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, Felix against top 10 opponents, historically, he's he's lost most of those matchups. But um, it, actually, his last three matches against the top 10, he's won. So, 
you know, he's he's turning that around, uh, which is really nice to see. You know, he didn't have a great clay court season, but on the grass, he's he's got a 10 and 2 match record now. Uh, obviously, he beat Federer a couple of weeks back in Halle. So I think although he didn't go on to win Halle, I think that probably that result um, probably made quite a bit of difference. And, you know, he obviously got to the Stuttgart final as well. So really good results on, on clay so far. Uh, sorry, on grass, what am I saying? <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, he's he's into the quarters playing Berrettini next. I think most people would have Berrettini as the favourite. So I'm hoping Felix can just kind of go out there and think, well, you know, I've got nothing to lose. You know, yes, I've got another top 10 opponent, but like, we'll see where we're at. They they have met before, um, I, I think, on the grass a few years back. And it was kind of fairly close, but, you know, it was straight sets. But obviously that was best of three. You know, you're into the quarters of a Grand Slam. Like, to be honest, I, I wouldn't. I mean, I think it could it could go five. I, I, I feel like Felix could be could be onto something, but I I, I really don't know. <laughs> It'll be fascinating to see how that match unfolds because we we know we know about uh, FAA's just you know his talent on the court and you know a win like this uh, you can see in, you know the emotions afterwards it will give him I think a lot of a lot of confidence because I've you know he might be thinking this has been a you know this has been a long time coming uh, you know to reach the you know the quarterfinals at Wimbledon yes he's not won a, a major trophy yet but this is. This will feel, I think, as sweet as as sweet as that, and he will want to, I think, continue. But he's coming up against Berrettini, who I think we've not really spoken about him at all. We've just assumed that he'll just kind of go through, you know, the early rounds into the second week with relative ease, and that's exactly been the case. And as a result of that, we've not really been talking about him. But again, I mean, today he came through um, in straight sets. Again, very, very decent, uh, you know, very, very decent victory against Ivashka. I mean, Ivashka did well, I think, to, to get to the fourth round. Um, you know, I think that was a career best kind of result for him. But um, I mean, he came through 4-3 and 1, 1 hour, 47 minutes. Yes, it was on court 12, but I sort of think away from the limelight is probably how, you know, he, he probably likes it. And just kind of getting on with it, getting off court, and then, yeah, getting back onto get back onto court one to to cheer on his girlfriend uh, Aya Tomjanovic. Yeah, I just wonder if if you know he has progressed through the draw really quite straightforwardly, but um, has he has he really been tested? I don't know. So I think Felix will be it'll be an interesting matchup. I'd I'd really like to see what both of them have because um, I yeah I'm, I'm Berrettini. You know, I'm still still got question marks. I think about him. I've got him in my collector set quarterfinals so i'm hoping that okay, you know, okay. i get one it's my only chance to get one right Joel, so <laughs> you know come on felix well, he <laughs> he is the first uh italian well he's the fifth italian man to reach the wimbledon quarterfinals uh, the last person to do it was david sanguinetti back in 1998 um so again very a very very impressive it's been I think it has been routine so far. So maybe there is a question mark in terms of whether he's been kind of truly tested yet. And maybe Felix Auger-Aliassime will give him that test. Um, but moving on to kind of other five-set matches that well and truly, I think, delivered today. Um, we talk, we've got to talk about, Kim, the rivalry that just keeps on giving this season. Marton Fuchovic versus Andrei Rublev. Fuchovic coming through 6-3, 6 6-love. Bageled Rublev, I think won nine games in a row, um, and then six three in the final set. This was a match again that kind of ebbed and flowed, and you, you sort of felt that maybe Rublev was just was going to win it because, as I said, their rivalry um, has been all Rublev, um, and the last three matches were all in, in straight sets to Rublev. But no, absolutely not. Fuchovic came through, um, and it was again a match that I think. We all know, I think, Fuchovic's pedigree on, on a grass score. And also, I think, his his big game mentality. He does seem to be one of these players who loves to to bring out his best tennis against kind of seeded opposition. Um, you know, he took out Schwartzman, I think, in the, the last round. But to come through against Rublev, who, again, looked very, very good in, in the build-up, I think, to Wimbledon in, in, in Halle, getting to the final, to bagel him as well en route. It was, uh, yeah, a pretty impressive performance. Yeah, because Fukšević is, you know, he's had some, some some wins in slams over top 20 players kind of over mm. the past two years, but it never seems to put a run together. You know, he'll get the win and then lose in the next round. 
Um, and so for him to overturn his his very much losing record against Rublev and and come out of the win today, very impressive. I mean, also you know FAA he had never beaten Zverev before, so sort of really um, you know first time as in these rivalries. And I know he said earlier in the season that he just. Um, you know, hated doesn't having to play Rublev. Didn't play him anymore. Yeah, exactly. But he's <laughs> finally managed to, um, you know, to, to break the spell and work out how to beat him. And, and what a time and a place to do it, you know, into the quarterfinals of Wimbledon for the first time. And uh, again, you know, making history for his country. Uh, he's the first Hungarian to make the quarterfinals since 1981. So, you know, 40 years ago. It's it's funny you talk about that that quote. It's how I think it's going to live on as a it's going to live on as a meme, isn't it? In in terms of ATP kind of folklore, because he said, "Yeah, I hope I don't play you anymore this year." I think he needs Kim. I think he needs to caveat now. I think it should be, "I hope I don't have to play you anymore this year on the tour." But I'm I'm perfectly happy to to play you in Grand Slams because yeah, he came through. He had that bagel in the fourth set, which sort of surprised me. I, I was wondering. You know, had had Rublev kind of exploded? Was this the Rublev of old, where you know he just let his kind of tempers, I think, get get the better of him? But I think he just got a bit frustrated by how well Fuchovic was playing. And I, I think I think what what really kind of impressed me about Fuchovic's game on court was his like recovery. I think during the the points in terms of he was able to make any sort of advances that, that Rublev was making, particularly with his aggression, and just just nullify it and just bring the bring the point back to neutral and kind of almost kind of reset kind of mid rally. And I think that was what was so kind of impressive, I think, about that match in terms that he didn't let that Rublev aggression sort of overawe him. And even though, you know, he found himself, you know, in a, in a situation where he was two sets to one down, he, you know, he, he just kind of got on with it and, you know, just carried on that momentum nine games in a row, six love, six, three in the fourth and fifth set. It was, uh, yeah, it was, again, it was quite, a, I think it was quite, quite a shock given, you know, the calibre of opponent he was facing. Yeah, I think he just remained quite calm, didn't he? Didn't let the fact that he was down phase him. And I suppose you think, well, I've lost to this guy so many times. Let's just keep in there and <laughs> throw myself at it. Like, I've got nothing to lose. I think he was coming into the net quite a bit, which brought him quite a bit of success. So, yeah, f- fair play to Vushkovic. We lost to him two and one in in Miami, yeah. so pretty pretty convincing stuff. So he obviously went away and you know thought about the you know what do I need to change in my game plan? And I think that's what's so fascinating about rivalries, and we're seeing this sort of play out in in twenty twenty one. And again, there's that you can see that progression. And although you know we we you know we've obviously heard. Fuchovic kind of verbally, I think, uh, expresses displeasure in as, almost as a sort of knee-jerk reaction. It just shows you how fascinating tennis can be in terms of, yes, that was one day, but it can can completely change that you know the next you know the next time they meet. And I think you know if if I was Andrew Rublev, I would personally I would probably take the one victory in the fourth round at a Grand Slam versus the you know the four victories at you know Miami. Well, the, sorry, the last three victories anyway at Miami, Dubai, and Rotterdam this e- this year. Yeah, I wonder how many more times they may play this year because <laughs> uh, there's still you know six months to go or, or five months or whatever. So we need Rublev to come out and and respond. I hope I don't have to play you anymore this year. <laughs> we, need go, we need to go full circle. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, I mean that was that was another five set match. We but we had an even closer five set match uh, which almost uh, went to the 12 all tie break and that was Karen Hatchinoff against Seb Corder now this one went really the distance 3 6 6 4 6 3 5 7 10 8 Karen Hatchinoff came through uh, to make uh, his way into the quarterfinal uh, that's probably his first quarterfinal in quite a while for, for Hatchinoff you know he's gone down the rankings quite a bit I think he's um, sort of the 25th seed at the moment but we know he has been in the top 10 uh, previously and we, we know his talent on a court so it's nice to see him kind of back up there again um, but also you know Seb Corder I mean th- this was pretty neck and neck really I think both of them could could easily have 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 come through there were so many breaks of serve in that last set alone it was really up for anyone who anyone who could just hold serve you know <laughs> complete different to uh, you know Isner and Mahu uh, <laughs> in this case 
Yeah, and it, that was quite surprising because you know both those guys have pretty big serves, and you would have thought that you know they would have been able to do that. But it just shows you that you know this was, I think you know this was obviously newfound territory for you know Seb Corder on his birthday as well. Um, and then with Kachinov, as you said, he's just not. We're not really spoken about him in the you know the Grand Slam picture that I think you know we spoke about him, you know, a few seasons ago, and even. You know, even this, I think, is even despite you know where he is in in the in the rankings, I still think is a little bit of a surprise. And I think that fish set kind of showed it in terms of the, you know the nerves that 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 got to both of them, and it just fully played out and just made it a really. Although it wasn't obviously the most, um, it wasn't the most you know highest level of tennis, I, I would say, but it made for very a very 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 thrilling kind of set of tennis when you just didn't know. <laughs> where where it was going to go Thir- i mean 13 breaks that is that is very that is very very impressive and uh yeah i think quarter will be disappointed you know i think he would have seen that as definitely an opportunity to get to the quarterfinals you know trying to back up that win against dan evans but at the same time you know, i already mentioned he turned 21 today he's got his whole you know atp kind of tour life ahead of him and the fact that he was able i think to make the fourth round at the french open and then the fourth round at Wimbledon, it just showed you that his game is very versatile. And I think that he's going to become one of these players. I, I think a little bit like, you know, maybe like a, a Roberto Bautista in terms of having that ability to just be a very, very solid player across all the different court surfaces. And, you know, if he's playing on one one day on clay, that's fine. He knows how to play it. But similarly, if the next day he's playing on a, on a grass court, Again, he just knows how to to bring it. So, although I think he'll be kind of disappointed, um, you know, in the immediate sort of aftermath, I think he will kind of look back on this as a, a very, very, very good, very good and very successful, very successful tournament for him. Yeah, I think this was his first five set match as well, like actually playing in a fifth set. So, um, you know, I think <laughs> it's not too bad, is it, to go ten eight in in the fifth? And although you've lost it, you know, he he um he made a match of it and made made a fifth set of it. So, and as you said, very very young. Um, what a way to remember, you know, and to mark your twenty first birthday as well. So, um, he's got to be an early favourite for the the you know the next gen finals. Uh, you know, towards the end of the you know towards the end of the season, he's going to have to be. I mean, he could even be one of the I think the leading lights, arguably. Um. Because the tennis he's shown this week has just been very, very impressive. He's got, you know, he's got the background, he's got the family, you know, he's got his dad as his coach. It's, it's all set up there, isn't it, for him to, you know, reach for, well, you know, reach, reach even higher. You know, he, he started the season at, you know, 119 in the world. He's now up to 50. I mean, he could go, he could go a lot higher than that. I really do see him definitely, you know, potentially in the future top, top 10. I think that was how, given the composure that he showed, particularly in that Dan Evans match, maybe not, not so much in the, that fifth set, but particularly on, on centre court against Dan Evans, that composure, that for me was what I think makes him such a, you know, a star to watch for the future. Yeah, I was very impressed um, to buy him, especially against that, you know, against Dan Evans in the third round. And yeah, definitely top 20. I think top 10 is perfectly doable for him. Um, I think it will be quite quick, actually, for him to go up there. Yeah, I, yeah. I think we could be, you know, this time next year. I think if he'd the maybe ATP be, rankings allow you know, it. <laughs> yeah, we'll just see. The rankings are a bit strange at the moment, but um, <laughs> um, I mean, let's just have a quick touch upon some of the more straightforward matches today. I mean, Roger Federer, and Novak Djokovic. You know, they were both on centre court, and I think we were saying beforehand that probably not going to see much of a you know surprise with either of those score lines and that kind of proved to be the case um I think I turned on to watch a bit of Djokovic a sort of four all in the second set thinking oh I wonder what Christian Garin can can bring to the table and then he you know instantly got broken and lost that set and <laughs> after that it was a, a you know absolutely a foregone conclusion if it hadn't been already so yeah I think uh you know, Djokovic is just loving life at the moment, uh, harnessing oh, his wolf yeah. energy. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's continuing, isn't it? I it mean, he is. must be, he must be, you know, absolutely loving the, the draw kind of playing out in front of him. Feels like all the dangerous opponents are in that, are in that bottom half and they're all going to have to, you know, fight each other for a, you know, for a spot to play Djokovic in the final. And he's not, you know, again, he's not really dropped, uh, you know, he dropped that opening set against Jack Draper, but from then on, 
um, it's been relatively straightforward. I mean, yes, it was a, a straight set scoreline today, you know, against uh, Christian Garin, who is more known as, as a clay quarter. So wasn't too surprising, but I think he would be pretty happy given, you know, that third set, particularly, I think, in the previous round against Kudler, um, where he was a breakdown, that tie break looked a bit looked a bit dodgy at times. Um, so although it was kind of, I think, kind of same kind of obviously same score lines in, in round three and round four, this was, a, I think, a more kind of consistent and level kind of performance. I think he spoke about the fact that his round three match was had more ups and downs. And this was very much, I think, plain sailing. So I think he'll be he'll be happy in that regard. Yeah. And Federer came through against Lorenzo Sonigo. I think the, the first set of this was the most interesting. Um, you know, Federer was a breakup. Sonigo broke back uh, to love. And at one point, I think it won like 10 points in a row. And then uh, then it was five all. Sonigo was, you know, struggling to hold serve. And they stopped to close the roof on centre. And Sonigo was break point down. And I thought, oh, that's oh. not ideal, is it? Coming back no, on break point down. And then he served like a double fault, didn't he? Yeah. First point straight out. But yeah, really, that first set was the one. I mean, whenever you're playing someone from the big three, you, you always think that first set is so pivotal. And, you know, for Sonigo, I mean, it was good. I guess, you know, Sonigo, Federer serving for it, Sonigo breaking back to love was was impressive. Um, you, you did sense, though, there was an opportunity, I felt. You know, this wasn't, I didn't think this was necessarily, yes, it was straight sets, but I don't think this was necessarily a, the, the Novak Djokovic we saw against, uh, you know, Christian Garin. You know, he hit 17 unforced errors in that first set, Kim. I mean, if 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 there was a, you know, a better player, I think, would have would made more of that and been able, I think, to to start on the front foot and take and take that first set. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily say we're, we're back to kind of vintage Federer levels. Um, but I certainly think maybe that that roof, that roof kind of closing definitely helped him. Yeah, definitely. I I still think, you know, yeah, Federer's making his way through the draw, you know, into the quarterfinals. But, you know, his next test is likely to be Daniel Medvedev, who who is still in his fourth round encounter. They have stopped for, well, because of the rain and they're going to have to come back tomorrow. So Medvedev's uh, up two sets to one on Hubert Herkaj. And it was, I think, on serve at 4-3 to Herkaj in that fourth set. Um, not ideal, you know probably you know helps Federer a bit you know Medvedev's got to come back tomorrow could go deep in the fifth for all we know um I'm sure they would have liked to have finished it off and is there an argument that they could have moved that match to center to finish off in the evening I don't know Um, I I mean I'm fascinated to see what the comments you know from both players will be after this match finishes uh you know whether they kind of touch on that issue because it it you know there was enough time to get that match done i think tonight on on center court and give you know the winner the uh, you know a full rest day tomorrow before the you know the quarterfinals on on wednesday so you know if if i was in one of those players shoes you know i personally would have been pushing you know to to have that match this evening now i'm not we're not sure if they got offered that opportunity you know they they might have they might have been offered it and said you know no i'm i'd rather go into the ice bath and and come back tomorrow refreshed and rejuvenated but yeah you uh, you know, if if, I, if it was me, I and you know I was Medvedev, I'd be I'd be trying to to push to finish that one tonight. Yeah, I know Wimbledon don't like moving matches, you know, from a court that that's, that uh, is already started on. But you know, I mean, we've got we've got other issues with the scheduling to to discuss uh, uh, <laughs> shortly as well. But um, just one last men's match to touch on, and that is Denis Shapovalov uh, coming through in straight sets against Bautista Agut. So I thought this was a very um, impressive and mature performance from Shapovalov. You know, after that Murray win, uh, he's you know continuing to to play really well at this tournament, and you know reaching his first Wimbledon quarterfinal, where he will be playing Hatchinov. Um, which you think, you know, for Shapovalov, that's that's a winnable match, um, and you'd be looking at him to to seize this opportunity to get into his first semi final. Yes, definitely, it's another another opportunity uh, for both of those players. I think. Interestingly, Shapovalov, you know, he, he won the first two sets relatively comfi- comfortably, six one, six three. But he admitted in that third set, similar, I think, to to Kachanov in that fifth, he showed a bit of sign of nerves. And it's again, it's going to be fascinating to see the fact that we've got so many, I think, players breaking through into their first 
you know, quarterfinals or they've not been here for, you know, at this end of a slam for a long time. I do wonder how much kind of nerves are going to be a factor in, you know, in the next round as we kind of get closer and closer to, you know, the semi-finals of the finals kind of later on in, in the second week. And, you know, maybe, maybe it will be a case of, you know, in that match, who, who handles their nerves better. But Shapovalov did very well to come through you know, former Wimbledon semi-finalist in, in straight sets. Uh, I, I thought uh, on, on, our, on our round three catch-up with uh, with Lee, I, I was like, I thought this had five sets written all over it. Um, you know, I thought this was going to be a marathon match, but obviously not. And Shapovalov just seems to be in very, very good form at the moment. I mean, he hit 52 winners, uh, won 48% of his first service points, two hours, nine minutes, very routine stuff. He also had that, you know, didn't play a second round match, which I think has helped him as well. Just, you know, just, you know, just have a bit of chill time. Um, it's it's looking very good for him. And, you know, we spoke about Felix Auger, Aliasim coming of age with you know his victory against Verev. Well, the fact that Shapovalov is in, in the quarterfinals, <laughs> I feel like, you know, for, for Canadians, I'm I'm looking at both of them and thinking, you know, not just Auger, Aliasim, I think, both these guys from Canada are, are, are coming of age at, at the same time. Yeah, no, I think it's fantastic. I would, wouldn't you love to see a FAA Shapovalov? Uh, c- can that be a final? No, yes, it can. It can be a final. I think it can. I think it can be. Yeah, very unlikely, but you know, I'm just getting way ahead of myself. But that no, it's fantastic for Canadian tennis and Canadian fans. And these guys have been around for a while. You know, pushing at the edges, and it's nice to see them you know, finally kind of getting some results. So yeah, absolutely fantastic. Um, Right. I think let's take a quick break, Joel, uh, but we'll be back very shortly in the second half to look back on all the women's results from the last ever Manic Monday. So don't go anywhere. This episode of The Passing Shot is sponsored by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming to ensure you can always have new balls, please. And just in time for the grass court season, Manscaped have launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the appropriately titled Lawnmower 4.0. Over lockdown, tending to my nether regions has become an important routine, including the all-important issue of ball trimming. I love the lawnmower's smooth, comfortable grooming experience that gives me next-level attention to detail. And it makes an excellent gift for a male partner, friend or family member who maybe has a bit too much ball fuzz down there. So the Lawnmower 4.0 will serve up a right treat. Use Manscaped now with our exclusive code PSPOD20 to get 20% off and free worldwide shipping at manscaped.com. That's PSPOD20. Links in the description. Your balls will thank you. This is The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, supported by DownloadTennis.com. And we're going to now look back at today's ladies event, uh, where we saw, well, let's start with tonight's match, Joel, because, you know, we had Emma Raducanu against Ilya Tomlanovic, which pretty much we were waiting all day for. You know, the players were waiting all day. All the fans (laughs) were waiting. It was the match kind of that, you know, was being earmarked. And, you know, most British fans were just kind of, you know, really wanted to watch. Um, But, you know, it does does raise a bit of a question over the scheduling. You know, all of the women's quarterfinals take place tomorrow. So, regard you know, whoever was going to win this match tonight, they're being put at quite a disadvantage when they've got to come back tomorrow to play Ash Barty, world number one, um, on centre court, uh, you would imagine. And, you know, being given like half a day's less rest because they're sort of shoved on at the end of the order of play. Um, should they not have been put on, you know, before the FAA's Verev match? You would have thought that that would be more sensible. I've got to completely agree there. It's felt a bit, um, you know, if, if, you know, hopefully we're not going to have these, well, less of these situations in, you know, the future because we're not going to have, you know, Manic Mondays as much anymore. But it definitely felt like this match should have been played or they should have at least got the two ladies matches done consecutively um you know on uh, on court one uh, i think it was yeah a bit disappointing because you know these two players they they had to wait around so long i mean they didn't didn't get onto the court until you know around 8 p.m uk time and you know the, on the amount of you know nervous energy i can imagine you know that, that radikanu and, and tom Janovic would have had just waiting around uh you know seeing 
you know, that five set match kind of unfold with Ojal Yassim and, and Zverev, it's just kind of been good. And you do fit, you know, you do hope that they're not put at a, a competitive disadvantage tomorrow, but you, you just felt that if that match had followed, um, you know, the first ladies match, then we wouldn't really be having this conversation. You would have felt that, you know, you would have been, you would have been a lot more confident. You would have almost kind of guaranteed that tomorrow, yes, you know, both those victors would be on a, on a, on an equal playing field. Yeah, I just think it already puts them at a disadvantage. And I also was wondering if it would affect, you know, how Raducanu kind of, you know, performed. And I think in the first set, you know, it didn't seem like she had any, you know, nerves per se. Like she was playing very, very well. She had her chances, you know, she had break points on, on the Tom Danovich serve um, at, at four all wasn't able to to take those opportunities and then you know unfortunately got broken um but in the second set it, it, you know it, it quickly changed she seemed to be Unraveled, struggling yeah oh and I did think oh is this gonna you know finish very very quickly I wasn't expecting it to finish in quite the way it did um but she seemed to be having some sort of issue with her, her stomach region I don't know if it was muscular or sickness uh but at three love down she had to go off court to um have to have treatment see the doctor and yeah, did did not come back on court. Uh, that was the last we saw of her. It was a strange one. It was, you know, obviously it's, you know, she will feel it will probably feel like a big disappointment. Um, you know, it, it's it's not the way anyone would have wanted that match that match to finish. You know, Tom Janovic wouldn't have wanted the match to finish like that. All the fans, you know, as well, her coach, her team. Um, so it was a bit. It was a bit of a shame. We're not sure kind of what's going on there. Um, the fact that she went off court, I don't know if that's a. It didn't look like an injury that you could kind of see as you know as a fan on on TV. It looked maybe like it was something, you know, inside, uh, maybe to do with her, you know, her stomach or if she had strained a muscle. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, it was a bit. It was a bit of a. It was a bit of a downer, wasn't it? Because that that first set, she really kind of flirted. I think with you know, breaking Tom Janovic and, and serving serving for the first set, you know, particularly at four all. You know, I think, you know, fair play to, to Tom Janovic in terms of being able to to hold and gut out those, you know, and save those break points. But um yeah, she did she did I mean just talking about that first set, she did again, she just sort of picked up, I think, where she left off really. And again, it was very uh, you know, very impressive. It was very similar level, I thought, to that match with Castella. There weren't there weren't a lot of winners, and I think you know the match was very much about moving your opponent around the court in order to make a you know an, un- an unforced error. Um, and I think that was arguably kind of both players' strategies. But I think Tom Janovic, maybe she just held her nerve a little bit more in the the big moments. Yeah, I think you know the fact that she's been on the tour for like ten years and is a lot more experience that definitely helped. And you know she was nervous as well because she you know hasn't ever been into the quarterfinals of a Grand Slam, so she was breaking into new territory as well. I'm sure she'll be slightly relieved uh, to have not had to actually serve out um, and to kind of be given that um, you know pass at the end there. That is completely true, isn't it, Kim? Because we've seen before you know, her not being able to close out these matches. So maybe she was a little bit relieved that, you know, she wasn't, she wasn't going to have to do it against uh, Radicani because of, uh, you know, retirement. Obviously she wouldn't have wanted that to happen, but I mean, she, whenever she was kind of called into action, I mean, as I was saying, she say five out of five break points. And that was probably the, the key stat in terms of, um, yeah, in, in terms of coming through with the victory. Yeah, definitely. And I just wonder with, with uh, Raducanu, like, it must be quite bad for her not to come back onto the court to retire in, in person. I don't think I've ever seen a player retire, you know, from from off court and, and have someone to come on to, you know, to do your work for you um, and to not face the crowd. Like, she must have been in quite a bad state. So, you know, emotionally as, as well, uh, which is, is a real shame. And I guess, you know, she seemed to be handling the occasion all right, you know, I've, I've certainly we've seen players walk onto a show court for a night match before and crumble, and yeah. she certainly didn't do that. So, yeah, it's a bit weird, a bit weird. Yeah, it, it was odd. Yeah, I could see her, you know, I think, you know, she was visibly, I think, upset. There were tears, I think, you know, when she was sat down um, having the, uh, the, you know, the trainer come on court. So maybe she kind of knew what kind of what was going on, but you know, she shouldn't, she shouldn't be, shouldn't be disappointed. I mean, <laughs> Un, you know, lowest ranked player of the draw, wild card, um, getting to the second week of Wimbledon, an absolute shot in the arm for 
British tennis. Uh, I really hope we get to see more of her. You know, she's got her A-levels now out the way, Kim. So I'm fully expecting to see a lot more of her on the WTA tour. You know, I imagine, you know, the next sort of goal will be to kind of get her ranking up so that she can get into these, get into the, you know, the WTA tour level events. But, you know, for now, she's just sort of basking in, in what she has achieved. And, you know, maybe, maybe because of the, you know, the only worry I think I have is that, you know, given how late that match started was whether she almost got in her head around all of the, you know, all of the noise that I think was uh you know brought up i think over the weekend about her and all of this you know pressure that maybe she you know didn't read too much into but she surely was of aware of it and maybe you know having all that time on her hands maybe it wasn't necessarily the, the best thing for her yeah i think just knowing that you're scheduled last you know you're like the prime time match you've got like the andy murray slot i think yeah, that just yeah. it must go to go to your head not, not go to your head in the sense that make you like egotistical but you know it'd be you sort of festering on your mind wouldn't it? you're thinking about it and I think it would have been better for her to have just been like the first match on like she was on Saturday but um you know hey ho we're here now I mean just just on that scheduling I, I I would say I think that was a bit of a misstep not to have that as the second one on but I would just say that I actually think they got it right in terms of putting her on court one and you know she's not been on on center court yet and I think that was quite a smart move in terms of you know not having the full you know the full works kind of given to you uh you know in terms of like the center court and the history and all the prestige and, and tradition that holds I think it was really a smart move I think they had to put her on, on court one for previous match and this match as well but yeah maybe maybe it should have been the the second one on yeah, well, the match we did have on centre court was Kerber against Coco Goff. So, former champion against, you know, the the young uh, upcomer. Kerber finally back on centre, Kim. Yes. Been, like treated like Venus Williams on the outside courts. Yeah, and finally back in a quarterfinal of a slam since she won this title three years ago. So, you know, does that does that mean she's going to win it again? I mean, she she's she's on a on a bit of a run. You know, she won Bad Homburg and she's she's unbeaten here so far. Um, apparently, as well, she's only ever lost two matches on centre court. So uh, she's once she gets onto centre court, she's very dominant. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she played very well today. Very consistent. She. She she was very good uh, conversing the chances she did have, um, saving you know break points that that Coco Golf had on her serve, um, you know so it, it was it was quite close but she you know I think she really showed that you know her maturity to come through and she's actually the oldest player left in the draw. I didn't realise that Kerber was thirty three now. I still think of her as like late twenties. So I was like, how did that happen? <laughs> but, I, mean, um, I mean, her. I mean, her record at Slams recently has not been fantastic but but she was able to bring it together to to take off you know very fiercely competitive I think Coco Goff you know we spoke about I think you know up to this you know up to this um you know up up to this match you can clearly see that Coco Goff has a game that is very well suited to a grass court particularly kind of with her serve but you know I think what was so impressive was was Kerber and her returns and you know really kind of getting into the the Goff service games and it was very, I think it was very professional and, and clinical and, and really was, a, you know, the perfect kind of execution of taking out a very kind of dangerous player who you know, has showed great progression this season. And, you know, even on her service games as well, I mean, she served first serves at 70%, was winning 67% um, first serve points. It was, yeah, it was a very, very good performance. And I, I wouldn't have said, you know, at the start of, you know, I wouldn't have said at the you know the start of week one that maybe Kerber is a contender, but you know particularly given you know we don't we don't often see players play the 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 most uh you know the the the, the final tournament before um the you know the lead the final lead up tournament before and then go on to win the Slam, but I mean hey it happened to Krachichkova with the the French Open so and, and Strasbourg so maybe maybe that's a you know a good sign for Kerber. I did. I did have Kerber in my semi-finals uh, in, when we made our prediction. So I'm. I'm pleased she's she's doing well. She's got Mukova next, uh, and I think Kerber's got a winning record against Mukova. Um, Mukova came through against Bedosa uh, in straight sets. So you know, 
probably playing to the form in terms of, you know, Mukova um, has obviously gone deeper in, in a slam before. She reached the semis in Australia. Um, I think this is her second quarterfinal at Wimbledon as well. She she reached uh, the quarterfinals here two years ago. So, yeah, on a grass court, Mukova's pretty decent. She, she actually only has lost one match at Wimbledon in her career. So uh, perhaps this was always on the cards. But, um, yeah, Mukova against Kerber in the, uh, the quarterfinals. So that that is probably quite a close one actually to call I know Kerber's got the winning record but you know I'd favour her to come through but it could go could go through I mean Kerber's had quite a few you know she's had that long Cerebes Tormo match that Sasnovich match she's had to fight to get to this point and I don't think she'll be wanting to to give that up anytime soon yeah I guess yeah the only I mean one of the the questions you might have over Kerber is is it going to be a moment where it just all kind of catches up with her mm. um because she has played a lot of tennis you know over the, over the last few weeks a lot of matches and you know that that could you know we've, we've seen it before it could it could happen to her who who knows but at the moment she's just riding on a on a real wave i think of of momentum that it could who knows it could carry her through to the you know the ladies final on saturday we will wait and see but um we also had ons yabor back up that mammoth upset against Garbinia Muguruza in round three by taking out the number seven seed, Iga Sviontek. She won 5-7, 6-1, 6-1. Kim, this is just another sort of, Yabor makes history at will every, every single day. <laughs> she become, she's become the first Arab um, or North African man or woman to reach the Wimbledon quarterfinals since Egypt's Ishmael El Shafai in 1974 so again it was a very yeah I, I mean it was a very dominant performance those sec that second set and third set but yeah that first set it was it was one of I mean I was watching a bit of it it was one of my favorite sets I think of watching of the the ladies tournament so far yeah I mean uh, arguably you should really have won that first set it should have been a straight sets win she um she was up and then Shvontek kind of won three games in a row just to kind of pinch it at the end um so I was expecting maybe Shvontek to to build on that I thought your ball might be a bit you know um demoralized by by losing that first set but like against Muguruza you know she she didn't show any signs of kind of letting that get to her she just kind of played very free and and was so dominant in those last two sets uh, I was very surprised to to basically see her you know thrash Fiontek really um and yeah this is the third Grand Slam champion in a row that she's beaten now having played you know Venus and then Garbina and, and now Fiontek so she's actually if you look at her draw she's really coming through very very nicely against top top names and um you know it's her second quarterfinal of her career now um you know she, she's got Sabalenka next that's not going to be easy but I, I genuinely feel that you know Onshabor you know could well she I mean, she could go much further um that's all I'm saying you know she's played so so well and you know lest we forget she she was as a junior you know very top junior and won the Roland Garros um title as a, as a junior and it's been a long time to you know for her to get to this stage you know on the senior tour um and but finally she's she's got here i think we all know about Sviontek and her credentials on on a clay court but we've got to remember she won the girls singles title at wimbledon in 2018 she's not you know she's not kind of she's not um you know it's you know, grass is not a weak surface for her it's not just like she doesn't know how to really play on it i just think that your and i think you know barty as well i think have particularly in the, these kind of four rounds that we, we've seen from both of them have just shown I think the the versatile nature of, of both their games just really kind of lent, lent itself to you know the, the opposition that they're facing and particularly with the the slice I think you know Ash Barty particularly obviously with the the slice back single-handed backhand but Yabor with that truly tricky I think forehand slice that I don't think a lot of her opponents quite know what to do with and I really think that is going to be a fascinating contrast of of styles between Sabalenka and Jabor and again I think it will be a question of whether Sabalenka can deal with the variety that that Jabor is going to bring um, and how she's going to be able to play those really low shots where she's just going to want to try and you know blast you know blast the ball um, 
and for Yabor, I think it'll be a question of whether she can kind of handle the, you know, the power and the aggression that Sabalenka can bring to a tennis court. Now, I would say, I think we know a bit more about the second question than the first question because we saw Yabor handle kind of Garbina Muguruza, who, you know, and Venus Williams, actually, you know, in terms of two very good kind of power players. So I think that that might be a question on how Sabalenka is able to handle the, the versatile game of, of Yabor. Yeah, I think um, with Sabalenka, obviously, it's, it can be, you know, she, she hits the ball very hard, but how well does she deal with players who who don't give you much rhythm and do play very differently? So I think it will be a very intriguing matchup. Um, I'm pleased that Sabalenka is, is finally into a quarterfinal at a Grand Slam. You know, she's previously lost uh, twice in, in the fourth round of, of slams. And so for her to come through against Rybakina, 6-3, 4-6, 6-3 today, um, was was great for her. I'm sure she'll be thrilled and delighted to get kind of the duck off the back. Fifteenth attempt. Yeah, exactly. And she came through really um, at the end. She won the last twelve points of the match, so mm. very very dominant right at the end. I don't know if Rybakina was just like, oh, I've given up. No, <laughs> um, but yeah, Sabalenka. Uh, I mean, I did laugh because there was one one point where the <laughs> the umpire yep. went to call her Azarenka and uh, had to correct herself i mean they don't even look similar so i, I think know, she that just is probably that is awkward was thinking oh belarusian tennis players um <laughs> but yeah she she corrected herself in the end so um i think uh Sabalenka and Shabor, if you look at their head to head they've they've um kind of it's one each so you know and actually they're both interestingly the two players with the most match wins on tour this season so they are kind of the most like you know informed players I suppose of, across the whole season um so oh, it's very close to call like with a lot of the other quarters on the women's side but I'd, I'd kind of give your ball the edge actually just seeing how she's come through you know the likes of Muguruza and Svantec it's very impressive and I I feel like her variety may be a little too much for Sabalenka. We also had top seed Ash Barty again, a player I think, you know, she dropped that set against Carla Suarez Navarro and I didn't, and I thought, oh, you know, she's, she's going to be, you know, she's, she's kind of, she's, she is vulnerable, but you know, since then it's not really been the case. And she had a very, very good victory against French Open champion, Barbora Krejcikova, 7-5-6-3, Krachichkova, I think she admitted herself. She, she came into this tournament with, I think, zero, almost like zero practice on a grass court. Just kind of was going to see how it went, and you know, has found herself in the round of sixteen. Done very, very well for herself. Um, but yeah, Ash Barty just has has. I think it's sort of surprised me in terms of. You know, obviously, we know how you know how good she is, and you know, she's obviously the world number one for for no reason. But the fact that she's had very little match practice but has yet looked so, so good when been on the tennis court has been, I think, the most impressive thing. And she's really, I think, living up to that, that obviously that top seed billing. And, you know, it was, yeah, although I think, you know, maybe that first set was a little bit kind of touch and go at some points, but, um, you know, it was, uh, again, a very, a very, very good performance. Yeah, I almost feel like the first set might have decided you know, the outcome of the match mm. because, you know, Krasicka, she was a breakup. Barty looked quite nervous at the start. And I, I genuinely was thinking, oh, gosh, Krasicka, could she go and win Wimbledon? You know, and I honestly, I was getting a bit carried away with myself. But um, I think, you know, she, uh, yeah, Barty, Barty came back, won kind of five of the last six games of that set. And uh, and also, I think, um, came back from an, an early breakdown in the second, which, which was also quite a tight set, you know, uh, but she she just edged it again. Had all the answers when it mattered most. And, um, yeah, I think Krishichva kind of just fizzled out, really, at the end. But, you know, those both of those players are the top two players in the race to uh, to the WTA finals. Um, you know, Krishichva was on this mad 15-match win streak. So she's finally kind of landed back down to earth, I suppose. The dream run is over. And I think Barty did really well to come to come through that one, and yeah, just her maturity and her her depth and versatility. I think um, you know she she brought it out when it when she needed it most, and um, she is now uh, got a fellow fellow Aussie, of course, Tom Janovic. And you'd have to expect Barty to to come through that one. Um, I would say pretty straightforwardly. Yeah, you would you would expect so. Um, funny thing about Ash Barty, she's now beaten Sinyakova 
and Krichichka, who are doubles partners. Um, mm. So, uh, so uh, yeah, quite a... Um, yeah, keeping it in the Czech same double fans, team. Czech yeah. fans are not happy with Ashford. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, they can exactly. be happy. They can be happy there about Karolina Pliskova, who, you know, Kim, I think has been one of the most, you know, in in our time on the podcast, you know, the times we have brought up Karolina Pliskova's name, they have been more in sort of negative situations more than positive situations. But this tournament, this Wimbledon, she has really put it together i'm not really sure how um but she very easily took care of ludmilla samsonova 6263 who was on a i think she was on a nine sorry a 10 match winning streak and again for some reason she's just has announced herself i think you know i don't think a lot of, a lot of people i think were just expecting her to go out um you know and be upset at some point um you know in, in week one but the fact that she's made it to week two given you know the 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 trials and tribulations I feel like she's been through this season, very very decent effort from her. Yeah, and um, her 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 long streak inside the top ten literally came to an end last Monday. So she's been in the top ten for two hundred and thirty weeks. Um, so a very long time, and <laughs> she finally was out of the top ten. And I think by basically getting to the quarterfinal, at least here, she's I think pretty much going to go straight back into the top 10. So she's obviously annoyed about about the ranking and thought, I need to do something at this tournament, uh, which she's gone and done without any real attention or fuss and hasn't lost a set so far. So, um, I mean, Samsonova, yes, she was on a wild card. You know, she's had that, that amazing title run and, uh, you know, playing here for the first time. So did fantastic to get to the fourth round, you know, like Raducanu, but, um, you know, not able to, to really match Pushkova today. No. I mean I will caveat Pliskova hasn't faced a top fifty opponent yet. So maybe I'm just getting a little bit ahead of a little bit ahead of myself. So maybe there are sterner tests to come. But you know, who who like again, who knows? We we've seen we've seen funny things at Slams, you know, this season and I would not be you know, it would not surprise me, it would not shock me if, if Carolina Pliskova went and did something. Um I mean an upset that we did have and, and one that we'll end on uh, you know, in the, the ladies round of sixteen is Victoria Goljevic uh, defeating the 23rd seed Madison Keys in straight sex, 7-6-6-3. I mean, I think Goljevic, if you look at uh, her season and the number of matches she's played and won, I think she's up to 42, um, which have been across the WTA tour, but also the um, like the, the tour below as well. So, um, you know, almost a, like a, a challenger level. So, she is a player who, for me, is is sort of maybe a little bit doing a bit of a Karatsev, uh, you know, sort of been bubbling under the surface, just eating up kind of victories, and is is bringing it is bringing it out at a Grand Slam. And I was not expecting this result, to be honest. I was expecting Madison Keys to actually come through in straight sets, but um, yeah, Golubich came through with a victory. Yeah, I feel like she won her first title earlier in the year, or she's had some some really good results in in tournaments um like you said on, on kind of both tours and um hasn't really done much at the slams this year in fact she didn't even qualify for the australian open and lost first round at Roland garros but she's um won eight of her last nine matches on grass now so she's um yeah in in really good form probably the form of her life and uh into the quarterfinals for the first time at a slam i think she had reached the third round here a few years ago so obviously loves a bit of a grass court but you know, she's up against Pliskova next. So I feel like for Pliskova, you know, although she hasn't faced a top 50 opponent yet, I feel like facing Golubic in a quarterfinal is, is winnable. I think she'd rather face Golubic than, you know, Ash Barty, for example. So I think Pliskova will be fairly pleased still about the draw, but genuinely could also see Golubic winning this and we'll have another probably very surprising semi-finalist <laughs> on our hands uh but you know is is any of is anyone really a surprise in the the women's tour these days probably not and Golubic was in you know she has been one of the the players of the season in terms of match wins like you said so I just wasn't expecting first Swiss player into the quarterfinals to be someone not named Roger Federer <laughs> well 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 she beat him to it uh but yeah Swiss <laughs> fans have got you know someone to cheer in uh to cheer for in both in both competitions um and let's just have a quick look 
at the other kind of events taking place, Joel, because we've got a few Brits still going in the mixed doubles, uh, which is very exciting. I think Joe Salisbury was playing with Harriet Dart earlier and their match got stopped for rain. Uh, but Neil Skupski and, and Krawczyk are in the mixed doubles. And uh, so are Naomi Brody and Jeremy Shardy, which I think is quite a cool pairing. Um, they actually got a walkover today. So um, they're in the into the fourth round, which is quite exciting. And then men's doubles, uh, we've got the quarterfinal line lineup uh, only Brits we've got there is Joe Salisbury with with uh, Rajiv Ram but they've got Cabal and Farah so um, they're playing the defending champions in that quarterfinal so it's tough old match for them uh, unfortunately Cam Norrie had to retire from his doubles match against uh, Rude and Goranson so he seemed to have some kind of glute issue so hopefully he's okay um, but obviously just didn't want to to carry on and, and make it worse um and then the ladies doubles, yeah, unfortunately no British involvement. And, um, yeah, I mean, looking at who's left in that, I feel like Sue Wei Shea and Elise Mertens are kind of the standout, uh, of those names, along with Krachichkova and Sinyakova, who are still halfway through their third round match. Um, be nice if Krachichkova could come away with, uh, one title, but might not make up for the two she won at Roland Garros, but I'm sure, you know, one might be still on the horizon for her. And just one thing, Joel, before we finish up today, I thought this was quite nice. In the junior event, Leo Borg, uh, who is Bjorn Borg's son, um, has won his first match at the Wimbledon junior event, which was 40 years uh, on from his dad's last final here at Wimbledon. So, you know, generational, uh, you know, differences, but a Borg is, is back winning at Wimbledon again. Who knows? Who knows? Let's see. Let's see how he does. I mean, he's, he's not he's not got that much to live up to, has he? Um, yeah, no. <laughs> um, listeners, we have got collector set update for you. I know this has been on everyone's lips. I know everyone's minds over the last week or so. And Kim, it's a very it's a very very compact and tight affair, isn't it? A lot of people have two correct answers, and it? it feels like it's just all on where Matteo Berrettini is going to end up. Yeah, well, we have someone on three correct answers at the moment, which is Ratchet Methwani. But it still does depend on what Berrettini does, because um, depending on what he does, we may well then have a tie. So some other participants may catch up to to Ratchet. So uh, we'll have to think up a tie break question if it comes to that. But yeah, we've, um, I mean, I've done shockingly again. I haven't got a single one right. Yeah, I was going to say, you are one of those players who's not going to be able to to catch up, are you? No, but um, you know, <laughs> I've I've already got a, a world famous passing shot mug, so I'm I don't need I don't need Very to true. win the prize, Joel. Um, but you know, you're doing not too bad. You, you could be in with a shout still. So um, yeah, doing it for the passing shot. But I've I've not had much luck with uh, my collector set of late. But yeah, thanks to everyone for taking part, and we will see. We will wait with bated breath as to what Berrettini is going to do uh, to decide the results of collector set. <laughs> And Kim, finally, before we finish this episode, order of play for tomorrow, women's quarterfinals. We've got Onzjabor, Arena Sabalenka, Ash Barty, Aya Tomjanovic, Karolina Pliskova against Victoria Golubic, and then Karolina Mukova against Angelique Kerber. Which, which, where are you, where, where are you thinking? What are you, what match are you most fascinated by out of those four? Well, uh, Yabor and Sabalenka, and I think for me, actually, the um, Mukova-Kerber match. I'm okay. really intrigued to see what uh, Kerber is going to do. Although I've just seen, interestingly, they've put Daniel Medvedev to start his match on centre court to finish off. So they have moved him to another court and he's actually um starting off because i think the weather for tomorrow does look terrible so they they have got to get that one finished so um that might start at 1 p.m and then well one th- one thirty it says yeah. um okay. yeah but i mean if, if i had to to take my pick of of who the semi-finalists are going to be i'm gonna go jabor barty plishkova and kerber Oh, Jabor. Yeah, Jabor seems to be riding. Oh, it's the tough one. That for me is the most, that for me is the most fascinating one. Uh, because they're both, they both seem in very good form, but Jabor just seems to, seems to not really care about anyone's form and is just beating everyone left, right and center. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm sort of going to agree with you. I think, I think Jabor, Barty, Plishkova, Kerber, everyone, everyone's talking about Kerber. I'm still, uh, okay. Um, yeah, I've maybe Carolina Mukova 
in, I think might might get over kind of Kerber, but we'll have to wait and see. But we won't have long to wait because uh, yeah, the women's quarterfinals will be with us tomorrow. We are going to be back on Wednesday uh, for our quarterfinal catch up. So I hope you can join us for that listeners but this is going to be the end of our round four round by round catch up so i hope you've enjoyed listening to the show remember if you want to subscribe to the passing shot and stay up to date on all the action at wimbledon you can do so on your podcasting platform of choice whether that's apple Podcasts, spotify Castbox, stitcher you can also listen to us on the downloadtennis.com app and if you've been enjoying listening to the show on the apple Podcasts and you want to support us make sure to leave us a rating and comment and you can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Passing Shot Pod. So do give us a like and a follow if you don't already. And tell all your friends about us as well uh, so they can give us a follow and keep up to date with everything going on in the tennis world. Um, if you'd like to get in contact with us, you can do so on those social channels. Or if you prefer, you can drop us an email, PassingShotPod at gmail.com. And Kim and myself, we will be back on Wednesday for our quarterfinal round by round catch up. So I hope you can join us for that and we will see you again soon. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.